0: Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to gather together today as New Life Christian Ministries. Father God, I thank you for online. Father, I thank You that right now folks can tune in from here literally to the ends of the earth to hear Your truth and love. And Father God, I pray that today as we look into Your Word, as we delve into Your Scripture, that Your Holy Spirit would minister to our hearts, uh, that really He would permeate every cell of our being. Father God, that You would speak Your truth to us ultimately, Father, so that our lives are changed and transformed, so that we can honor and glorify You in everything that we do. And Father God, that your kingdom would grow from here to the ends of the earth, starting where we live. We just thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name, amen. Well, welcome to New Life. I'm so excited that you decided to join us today. Thanks for joining us online. Uh, we are still really enjoying and getting to know this online audience in a, in a greater way, so thank you so much for doing that today. We're actually starting a new series today called uh, New Beginnings Live, Work, and Play. And the reason we're doing that is because we realize as we're navigating this new normal that we need to be the hands and feet of Jesus really in every arena of our lives, everywhere we live and work and play. And so it's our goal that by the end of this series, it's a short series, it's only three weeks, but by the end of it, it's our hope and our goal that we'll have a greater understanding of what it looks like to live out a new beginning everywhere we live and and work and play. So when I think of being the hands and feet of Jesus, one word in particular comes to mind, and that is missional. Now, if you hear missional, some of us may think, wait, does that mean the same as being a missionary? Because I don't want to go to Africa, right? And I understand that. Actually, when I was in college, my first two years were at a small school in northeast Georgia called Toccoa Falls, And at TACOA, you can major in overseas missions. They would would train and equip you to be a cross-cultural overseas missionary. And there was one young lady in particular who I thought was really attractive, but I never asked her out because she was a missions major. And I knew that she was going to go cross-cultural, and and I wasn't, right? And that's okay. What I know now that I didn't know then is that even though not all of us are called to be missionaries to go cross-cultural We are all called to live missional lives. And to live a missional life is pretty easy to define. Easy in the sense that Jesus helps us to understand it. He says in the book of John that we will actually, empowered by the Holy Spirit, we as his followers would do greater things than he would here on this earth. And as we do these greater things, right, as we live out the life of Jesus everywhere we live and work and play, folks would come to know him and grow to be like him. So to live a missional life simply means that we live out what he told us we would do. We will, empowered by the Holy Spirit, do greater things than Jesus. Folks will come to know him and grow to be like him. And his kingdom grows from here to the ends of the earth. That is a missional life in a, in a nutshell, simply defined. So today, we're focusing on being missional where we live. Again, it's simple, but it's not easy, as we often say here at New Life. The question, at least for me, was, how do you live out a missional lifestyle where you live? You know, amongst friends and families and neighbors. It's a question that, honestly, I've had for a number of years. So, if you fast-forward a couple years past college, my fiancé at the time, now my wife Leslie and I, were preparing for our wedding. And we went through several premarital sessions with our pastor, and at one of the sessions he asked us if we would, actually he encouraged us, to have a scripture that would define our marriage. And the intent was that that scripture would be something that we could reference in the days and weeks to come to help us focus or actually maybe even refocus on what was most important. And I'd like to share that scripture with you this morning. So if you have your Bible or the Bible app or you can click on the notes feature online and it actually has all of my notes for today and all the scriptures that we'll be referencing, you can go ahead and bring those up. The words will also be on the screen. But we're going to look at Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. And it says this, Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people, and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. So why did Leslie and I choose this passage? Well, for us, it encapsulated how to be the hands and feet of Jesus, right? How to live a missional life amongst our family and friends and actually the neighborhood in which we would choose to live. For us, this Scripture outlined the how, and we believed that as we lived this out for our family, that the missional life, this Christian life, would extend to our neighborhood and hopefully to the ends of the earth. It was our first step in fulfilling what is ultimately our take-home point for today, and our take-home point is the one point I hope that we'll take with us, and I really hope that I'll make throughout this entire message today, and it quite simply is this. We get to be missional where we live. We get to be missional where we live. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I spoke about how we're God's children and the hope that comes from that. But I also mentioned in that when we become God's kids, we're part of his kingdom. And part of the kingdom means that we're the hands and feet of Jesus everywhere that we live and work and play. Now, if we think about where we live, for most of us, that starts with our family, right? The family unit. One of the common themes that we see throughout Scripture is the primacy of this family unit. And actually, when Les and I had this passage read at our wedding, we applied verses 9 through 12 directly to our marriage relationship and to the family that we hoped God would bless us with one day. And we actually had the NIV read, and I want to read that for you this morning because I think you'll see why we had that read at our wedding. And it says this, verses 9 through 12 in the NIV, Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. So I think you can see immediately like why verses 9 and 10 are really helpful for when you and your spouse are having, you know, one of those days. Anybody ever had one of those days? Because verse 9 says, love must be sincere. Yep. Hate what is evil. That's a good reminder. Cling to what is good. Some days we need to cling to those things, right? Be devoted to one another in love. Boy, that's good when we're having one of those days. And honor one another above ourselves. Verse 11 helps to, helps to remind us that ultimately we're serving the Lord as we serve one another. And finally, verse 12 helps to remind us that prayer forms the foundation of Regardless of the circumstances, prayer forms the foundation regardless of the circumstances. Now, the amazing thing about this passage is in context, in the context of this passage, it doesn't just apply to family, but it applies to brothers and sisters in the faith as well. It extends to our entire church community. So verses 9 through 12 help to describe how we ought to live corporately as a body of believers, those who know Jesus. Verse 13 really brings it home when it says, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. There's a reason that we call the church body here at New Life a church family. Pastor Chris once told me that he realized fairly early on that here in western Pennsylvania, we have very strong family ties, right? We really, really love our families, and we're loyal to them. But the Apostle Paul is asking us to look beyond our families, beyond our immediate family, to our brothers and sisters in the faith as well. When Pastor Chris, all those years ago, decided to call this body a church family, he was helping us to realize this principle to help us make that bridge. Now, that doesn't mean that we ignore our loved ones. It just means that our family is much bigger than many of us realize. It's the entire church body and a corporate body that we get to be a part of. And that body is going to grow, right, and expand, especially as we live out the second portion of this passage. Now, the second portion of this passage, if we've ever needed to be convinced that we cannot live the Christian life outside of being empowered by the Holy Spirit, verses 14 through 21 make that really clear. Verse 14, oh my goodness. The passage isn't hard. It hits like a battering ram, right? Because verse 14 says this, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Again, this passage isn't hard. It's impossible. It's impossible. Don't curse them pray that God will bless them, I don't know about you, but I I can't do that. I just honestly, I can't do that. To bless someone who is actively seeking to do me harm, I get mad at people on Facebook. I don't know how you live this one out practically. But we do know this. Thankfully, through our relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit empowers us to respond supernaturally. The Holy Spirit empowers us to respond supernaturally. Imagine for just a moment when we, as a collective family here at New Life, pray for those who are persecuting us. It'll be an amazing thing. Verse 15 and 16 focus on our life together with our neighbors. And this is really where the rubber meets the road. We rejoice with those who are happy. We mourn with those who are mourning in appropriate seasons. And we're happy to enjoy the company of anyone, regardless of their social status, right? And it says in there that we seek to live always in harmony. It's an incredible challenge. Verses 17 through 21 outline our actions, right? And they remind us that ultimately, we're not in charge of this. And we'll get to that here in a minute. But we're not to repay evil with evil, right? Instead, we're to respond with honor, Our lives are to be marked by honor. Now, honor is a concept that sadly has been lost in much of our culture. Honor is a concept that's been lost. One of the things I really love is when we travel to Asia, because Asia is an honor culture. And when we land there, oh my gosh, we're treated like kings. The people are so incredible. They give us the best of whatever they have. And in Asia, they have this filter that many of us in the West don't have. And this filter, you can see it kick in, right? It's like, if I say this, if I do this, will it bring this person honor? Will it honor me? Will it honor them? How do I show them honor in this moment? And we don't oftentimes have that, but it's a lesson I'm very thankful to be learning. Verse 18 exhorts us to live at peace. Actually, I prefer the NIV translation, which says this, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you live at peace with everyone. Oh, as much as it depends on you. We have a hard time with that in America because of our perceived rights. And we have a lot of rights, some of which are good and some of which are perceived. I'll give you a perfect example. Most every morning you can find me jogging the road in front of my house. And most every morning you can find me scared half to death as one of a half dozen dogs comes charging at me from some neighbor's yard. Just scares the living daylights out of me, and I'll say this: none of the dogs have really ever come onto the road or done anything that pre- presented me with like any immediate danger. I just don't like it. I don't like it when a jo- when a dog charges at me, and my rights kick in, right? Because by rights, that dog should be restrained, or that dog should be in the house, or I don't know. Maybe you shouldn't have a dog. I don't. I don't know. But I go through this cycle, right? And one morning, I was actually getting pretty upset about my neighbor and this verse popped into mind, and God said, live at peace as much as it depends on you. And so I just picked up the pace and, and kept on running. Verses 19 and 20 give us the ultimate reason that we can respond how we do, and that ultimately is because God will respond in His way, right? He'll take care of it is the takeaway. God will take care of it. Instead, we're to extend food and drink to our enemies. And in so doing, it's interesting, it says, we'll heap burning coals on the heads of our enemies. Now, Paul here is referencing a proverb. It's actually found in Proverbs chapter 25, verses 21 and 22. And taken out of context, I really like this verse because it seems like if I do what I'm supposed to do, then God is going to get them, right? And he's going to get them. But that doesn't seem to jive with the rest of the passage. Perhaps the best interpretation is the one where we realize that our kindness may lead to an enemy's repentance. Ah, Maybe that is a better interpretation, or even better stated, where an enemy becomes a friend. We see this ultimately fulfilled and practically displayed in verse 21, where it says, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. So, We've just reviewed the biblical precedent on how to be the hands and feet of Jesus practically where we live, and we can all agree that it's impossible. Boy, isn't that encouraging? Can't do it. Well, we can't do it on our own, but empowered by the Holy Spirit, we respond supernaturally. So, the first step in this new beginning, being the hands and feet of Jesus where we live, requires that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit daily. Because as we are empowered by the Holy Spirit daily, the relationship that we have with the Father that flows because of the work of Jesus Christ allows us to respond in ways that are contrary to our human nature. And so every day, we must seek to submit ourselves in prayer to the Lord, ultimately so that the Holy Spirit can reign in our lives And so that this information that we've gathered in our head will actually travel into our bodies, into our extremities, so that our lives and actions are the hands and feet of Jesus where we live. Pastor Chris often says it this way, it's information plus application, and that equals transformation. And transformation will occur in us, our families, and in our communities. Recently, I had the, I've had the opportunity to tune into Pastor Andy Weigand's podcast, which is called Heart of a Friend. Now, many of you will note that Pastor Weigand is actually Pastor Chris's mentor. And Pastor Chris shared this resource with us a couple of weeks ago and was really excited to do so, and I can see why. The content is great. So I would really encourage you, if you're looking for something to listen to, tune into Heart of a Friend, because I found it to be very helpful and encouraging. The first three episode are, uh, episodes are dedicated to a simple approach to a better life, simple approach to a better life. And quite simply, it's, it's loving each other. And what Pastor Wygan breaks down in the first series of podcasts is a lot of times we don't feel like doing these things, right? And in our culture, we're very much driven by our feelings. But what he says is sometimes we have to act our way into our feelings. We have to start the action, and then the feelings will follow. He says this, many times it's much, much easier to act our way into the right feelings than it is to feel our way into the right actions. So ask yourself these questions. If I really did feel love for this other person, what would I say? Then say it. If I really did feel love for this other person, what would I do? Then do it. The cumulative effect of making this kind of choice over time in your own family, neighborhood, church, place of work, will lead to a transformation of your own heart. So, sometimes we have to act our way into the feeling, and that leads to the ultimate transformation empowered by the Holy Spirit, we always start with some basic actions. So with that in mind, I propose two actions from the passage today that I believe will help to jumpstart us as we move into feeling of caring and loving our neighbors. For those of us who like some alone time, right? How many introverts are online today? Most of us, because you're online, doesn't matter. But if you are an introvert and you like some alone time, I'd recommend prayer walking Prayer walking is very simple. You walk and you pray. And I'd encourage you to prayer walk your neighborhood. Now, you may say, Well, I live in the country and my neighbors are far apart. You get more exercise. You might say, It's too cold. Then hop in your car. Anything that you can do to just be in your community and pray over your neighborhood. It's simple. We walk and we pray, but it's not easy. It's not easy because the Lord will begin to work in our hearts, right? He'll begin to transform us. Our feelings will begin to shift. Why? Because we'll begin to see the need in our community. We'll start to care. Plus, it won't be long before some interaction might take place. And because of that, we'll begin to apply what we read in Romans 12 today. And that, quite simply, is this. We'll be happy with those who are happy. We'll mourn with those who mourn. In appropriate seasons, we'll have those opportunities. We'll interact with folks who have opposing viewpoints, and as the passage said today, we'll do that because we'll remember that we don't know it all. We don't know everything. That's a good reminder. And then the ultimate hope is that we can lead them into the ultimate peace, which is knowing Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. For those of us who really enjoy a crowd, right, the extroverts amongst us, I'd recommend hospitality. And hospitality is great because it doesn't focus on the host, it focuses on the guest, right? How do I make you feel special and important in my home? So parties and campfires and get-togethers and other events, some of you really love those things. Those are great ways to break down barriers and let folks know that you care. It's fall right now here in western Pennsylvania, which means that the weather's getting a little cooler, which is great for that socially distanced outdoor campfire, if you're looking for some ideas. But again, be warned, because God will begin to change our hearts. Our feelings will begin to shift, right? And we'll begin to pray for folks as we get to know them. We'll respond to them as they have need. We'll be happy with those who are happy. We will mourn with those who mourn. We'll... Again, interact with folks who have opposing viewpoints, remembering that we don't know it all, as the passage says today. And our hope, our ultimate hope, is that we can lead them into the peace that they can truly, truly experience only through knowing Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. No matter where we start, the end result is the same, that people would come to know Jesus and that they would grow to be like Him. As you do either of the above or anything else that comes to mind, we'll be living missional lives where we live. Living missional lives where we live. As with any endeavor, I'd only ask that we start where we are. And for many of us, where we are is to begin by taking a next step. And our next step today, quite simply, is this. I will pray for or chat with a neighbor this week. I will pray for or chat with a neighbor this week. The most amazing thing is that I know God won't stop there. I started off today by saying that we're not all called to be cross-cultural or international missionaries. But I do know this, when we enter into a missional lifestyle, God will increase our hearts, right? Our biblical mandate as believers is to spread the good news of Jesus from Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, to the very ends of the earth, which for us means from our neighborhood, right, to our region, to our nation, to the whole world. And as we live missional lifestyles, God will increase our capacity to care. It's just something that I've seen displayed over and over again, which may mean some of us go on some trips, or it may mean some of us move, or it may mean that some of us do feel the call to international missions and I don't know what that will look like but I do know this I won't be surprised in whatever God calls us to do because he is a God who desperately wants us to be a part of the community in which we live so that he can increase our hearts so that people will come to know him and what I ultimately know is this as we live missional lives this week as we pray and as we host and as we engage folks with for his kingdom with our neighbors and our friends god's kingdom's going to expand from here to the very ends of the earth and that's a new beginning to which i very much look forward amen amen one of the things that i really love about our lord is he is a missional god he came in search of us he came to where we lived so that he could have a relationship with us that would last for all of eternity. And if, you, and if you have yet to accept Jesus as Savior and Lord, why not today? Here at New Life, we often say it's simple. It's as simple as A, B, C. We admit, we believe, and we confess. It's simple, but it's not easy. It's not easy because Jesus is our Savior, but he'll also be our Lord. But we admit, we admit that we're sinners, that we're in desperate need of of a Savior, right? And we believe, we believe that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is the Son of God. And we confess not just our sin, but we confess that we can't do life on our own and that we need someone else to come alongside to lead and guide and direct us. In a few moments here, I'm going to pray. And I would offer that As I'm praying, if this is something that the Holy Spirit is prompting you to do, that you would pray as well and that you would simply admit that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, that you would believe that Jesus is the Son of God and you would confess that you need Him as Savior and Lord and start the new beginning today of Him being your Savior and Lord from today to the very end of eternity. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You. We praise You for Your Word. Father, I thank You for Romans 12, and the impact that it's had upon my life. God, I ask and pray that we would take those words today, that we would apply them to our lives. Father God, I would pray especially for our brothers and sisters this morning who do not yet know you. God, I ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would minister to their spirits, and that right now, Father, they would admit, that they would believe, and they would confess. And Father God, that this would be the day that you enter into their lives to change and transform them into the image of your Son Jesus Christ, Father. I would pray for all of us who do know you that we would be ministers where we live, that we would be on mission, Father. That you would open our hearts for our neighbors, Father God. That our ho- that our houses and our homes would be places where you uh, where you reign, and Father God that that others would see that, that they would ask questions that we can pour forth blessing that only comes from you. Father God, I thank you and praise you for all these things. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you did pray to accept Jesus as Savior and Lord today, would you please just let us know by raising your hand. Uh, We would love to spend some time helping you take this next step. It's an important next step, and we would love to help guide you in that as well. If you do know Jesus as Savior and Lord, uh, we pray that you would live out what we talked about today, live out that next step, that you would chat with someone or pray with someone this week, and that God's kingdom would grow from here to the ends of the earth, really, starting where we live. Have a great week.